afternoon. Good afternoon. And we consider, again, a narrative, the narrative of the birth of our Lord Jesus. We continue in the book of Luke, turning to chapter 2. Chapter 2, commencing at verse 21. looked at the birth of Jesus, verses 1 through 20, last Sabbath afternoon. We realize how many different places Jesus was taken in the womb of Mary. He traveled much inside and outside her womb. Remember, he was conceived in Nazareth and taken to the Judean hills, perhaps Hebron, to visit Elizabeth. And from Hebron, he went back to Nazareth, Luke 1. And then when Mary was great with child, he was taken to Bethlehem, Luke chapter 2. And shortly afterwards, about around the 40th day of his life, He's taken to Jerusalem, and that's where we are this afternoon. And you remember, uh, we're not given this, well, we are given the fact that he went back to his home, Jerusalem, to Nazareth, but then he made his way back to Nazareth for some reason, we're not told, and that's where the wise men came. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, to Bethlehem from Nazareth. So the wise men were not with the shepherds, the wise men came later. And so they made it to Bethlehem for the second time, as recorded in Matthew 2. And then he was taken to Egypt. You remember, because of Herod's uh, wrath. And then he makes his way back to Nazareth, Matthew chapter 2. And that's where he's raised. Most likely, Jesus did go to Jerusalem even before or after his presentation at 40 days old, and after that, before his 12-year-old visit as recorded at the end of chapter 2. And so, as a godly young man, he would have loved to have visited Jerusalem at the feast. You remember the males had to be in Jerusalem three times a year for the feasts of the feasts. The feasts, it's afternoon. The feasts of Passover, Pentecost, and tabernacles or um, booths three times a year they were to come. The, the females were not, the ladies were not required. And so Mary going to Jerusalem for the Passover at the end of Luke 2 when Jesus was 12, was quite extraordinary, revealing her spiritual nature. She wanted to be there as well. So let's, first of all, consider the reading and then the, the uh, exposition and application. Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. 
And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb, remember, by Gabriel to Mary. And apparently a new tradition is formed where the child is not named until he is circumcised. And that was also, remember, what happened with John. John was named at eight days old, and his father confirmed it, though the angel again, Gabriel, had told Zacharias that his name would be called John. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, we go back to Leviticus 12, a woman was unclean with a male child for for 40 days and with a female child for 80 And so Jesus being a male, this would have been when he was 40 days old, that they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and also for her to offer sacrifices for her cleansing. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And as far as her case, to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord. Now the law in Leviticus 12 said it should be a lamb and a bird. But if, if the offerers were poor, they could offer two birds. And so that's why we read a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So read between the lines, Joseph and Mary could not afford a lamb. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, which is an expression for waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms. Picture that. The privilege of taking the divine baby Jesus up into his arms. It wouldn't be long before Jesus would take us up into his arms. He blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Joseph and his mother, as far as we know, it's the last mention of Joseph in this epistle. He probably died very soon after, before Jesus entered his ministry, or even earlier. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. 
And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Supposedly one of the ten lost tribes, but she was able somehow to keep the record that she was actually from the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. Think of the sadness. She only was able to be married for seven years. But she was a widow now of about four score and four years. So either, there's two ways of looking at it. She was a widow, or she lived 84 years after her husband died. So she would be at least 91, and if, obviously more than 91, she wasn't zero when she was married. So if she was married at 15, she would be 106. But most likely it means that she was 84 years old and a widow at that. She, so she's been a widow for about 60 years or so. She departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. We would say she never missed a service. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him, that is of Jesus, the Messiah, to all them that looked for redemption. There's another expression, consolation, looked for redemption, another expression for looking for the Messiah that were in Jerusalem. When they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And Luke does give us a description of Jesus between the ages of 40 days and 12 years. And here it is. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was Upon him. Amen. Jesus was seen as a youngster by varied and surprising people, not by kings or queens or people that we would think were very important, shepherds, of course, angels. A whole host of angels appeared, you remember. The word host means an army. And here was an army not to fight. But this army said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. There were magi that would, that would visit Jesus when he was about two years old. There would be people and most likely Jewish people in their community in Egypt when Jesus was taken there. But today we look at two obscure people that now we know their names. They're common names, Simeon and Anna. As far as we can tell in the New Testament, Simeon or Simon is the most often use name of people in the New Testament. Can you think of a few Simons and Simeons in the New Testament? 
I preached a series on the Simons of the New Testament. Simon Peter, uh, Simon of Cyrene that helped carry the cross. Jesus had a brother named Simon, Simeon. You think of any others? Simon Magnus was, a, was an evil character. Simon Zelotes, yes, uh, one of the apostles. Any others? There's, I think, 10 or 11 that are found in the New Testament. Uh, Simon Niger, I think, one of the ones that were, were uh, called out by the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 13. But these are hand-picked people by the Lord to be able to see Jesus before they left this earth. God picked God handpicked people for the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. As far as we can tell, not one lost person saw Jesus when he was walking on the earth after his resurrection. It was the privilege only of believers. And that's why we believe that as far as the birth of Jesus as a young boy, the shepherds would have been believers, godly men. You see, the wise men must have been believers in the prophecies of the Old Testament and had gotten a special revelation from God and then a special guide, a star, to Jesus. Uh, we would have known that, the, of course, the angels were sinless creatures and Joseph and Mary were saved and and uh, now we have Simeon and Anna. Herod never got his eyes upon the Lord Jesus. What a privilege to behold the Lamb of God. Today we see Jesus at eight and 40 days old. He is attended to, he is adored, he is exalted, he is announced. From his birth, Chapter 2, verses 1 to 20 and beyond. The momentum leading to his 12th year, the last verses of chapter 2, the desire of nations, the Lord Jesus. First of all, he's Jesus subjected to the law. One verse says it all. And when eight days were fulfilled to circumcise the child, his name was called Jesus. He had to subject himself to the law of God. He could not be circumcised on the seventh day or the ninth day. His parents were very careful to obey God's word. Are we careful as far as our children are concerned to guide them in the right way, to teach them God's word, especially when they're young, to lead them in the way of righteousness? We will give account, won't we? But the Bible says that Jesus, though he was the law giver, the law maker, he would be the law keeper. In Galatians chapter four, it says that God sent forth his son, made of a woman, virgin born, a real man. But notice it goes on to say made under the law. He was subjected to the law. He was under probation. He was being watched his whole life. Matter of fact, one of the verses that is really, we feel, an ancient um, 
An ancient creed, 1 Timothy 3, 16, says that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. Even angels watched him. It's not that they're watching for him whether he's going to sin or not, but the fact that they observed him his whole life and there's not one angel that could step forward and say, I saw him sin. I heard him sin. And anyone that ever convict or sought to convict Jesus of sin were lying, were mistaken. Matter of fact, Jesus says, which of you convinces me of sin? Go ahead. Show it if there's any wrong in me, thought, word, or deed. So his whole life, he identifies with sinners in the fact that he's, that he's subjected to the law. And he came to fulfill the law that we broke. And so he must be under probation. He must keep the law perfectly, perfectly. The Pharisees counted, I believe, over 600 laws in the Old Testament. And the Lord Jesus would have to keep track of these. His parents had to keep track of them and obviously the Spirit guided them because as an infant, he's not, uh, and you understand, he grew in wisdom. He wasn't able to quote the Bible at one day old. He grew in wisdom, as it says here in chapter 2 and verse Number 40, the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. He was a vigorous boy. Waxed strong in spirit. This is between the ages of 40 days and 12 years. Filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. A description. Oh, that that would, be, would describe young people who are saved early. Oh, that we would be vigorous people growing in wisdom and in the grace of God. And there will be another um, bookend description of Jesus between the ages of 12 and 32 at the end of this chapter. Notice the bookend. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. It didn't include stature yet because he was only 40 days old. So Jesus was subjected to the law. They named him just like the angel had predicted. And God had the right to name his son, didn't he? Of course, God took the right to name John the Baptist too. But normally, like he gave Adam the right to name the animals and he even named his wife, he gives us the, the right to name our children. And I hope we never, no, no believer ever names their children Jezebel or Balaam. Eight, it's a new beginning. It's really the first day of the week. Today is the eighth day. It's seven days, we have a new day. It's the first day of the week, but it's the eighth day. And that's found in John 20. After eight days, the disciples again were inside and Thomas was with them. So we can call this the eighth day. Eight is a new beginning, just like circumcision is a picture of a new beginning. The old has passed away, the new has come. 
spiritual circumcision when we get saved. Our hearts are circumcised and we have a, we have a new name now. It's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Christian, right? We all have the same name, don't we? New creatures in Christ. Jesus would be circumcised to show that he would have to fulfill the law though he was sinless, though he was the lawgiver. Yet as the second Adam, like Adam was subject to the law, Adam was under probation. There was a certain point if Adam had obeyed God's law in our behalf, that he would have earned eternal life. It would have been a, a works righteousness. But Adam failed and we were the branches and the leaves. When the tree was uprooted and fell over, we all fell over. It wasn't like each one of us was a, a shock of wheat or a, a corn stalk one at a time. But Adam was the root of the tree. We were all in that tree and the whole human race fell. Jesus became the second Adam, Romans tells us, 1 Corinthians 15. And he would have to be under probation. But think of this, he was under probation as a child. Adam was made an adult. Adam had the advantage of being old already and, and, and wisdom being given at creation. Jesus had to grow. He had to have the temptations of youth being hungry or being watching children who are greedy and mean and cantankerous. And never, think of this, Jesus never sinned like we sinned as infants and toddlers and young children. Never threw a fit. Never stole toys from his, his playmates. Never talked back to his parents. Again, I'll look forward to interviewing Joseph and Mary and Jesus' brothers and sisters. And I'm sure they, they'll say we were annoyed because of our sinful natures. He never got in trouble. We tried to get him in trouble. And sometimes he was unrighteously rebuked. Mary reproaches him, you know, when he was in the temple. Son, why hast thou done this to us? You have troubled us. We consider that hopefully next week. He was made under the law. He was seen of angels. In other words, he had no breaks. He had trials and temptations and he was slandered. He was provoked. He was in the midst of, of sin in Nazareth and Jerusalem when he went for the feasts. Wherever he went, he was hounded by the devil 40 days and 40 nights. In all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Impeccable, immaculate in his conception, in his birth, and immaculate in his life. But yet, it's like, it's like the, the strongest team. Every opponent prepares their best to fell that, that team. The devil knew that Jesus was the Son of God. He was a sinless man, and he threw everything at him, everything he could. Demons, people, he even himself. Think of this. The devil can only be in one place at one time. He's not omnipresent. 
And yet we find it was the devil himself that was in the wilderness with Jesus. Where's the devil today? I don't know. But he has many demons. And we all need to be on high alert. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking someone to devour. He could not devour Jesus. He could not cause him to fall. But yet Jesus felt as if, and he was the most tempted, most attacked person that would ever live. But we read he was submissive to God. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. He became, he was submissive to his parents. He was submissive in his workplace. Though he had no wife, the church is his bride. And he's a faithful bridegroom, isn't he? His name is called Jesus because the divine purpose is to save us from our lawlessness, from our sins. He kept the law to earn a perfect righteousness to our account. Again, getting to heaven is not simply because we have no sin. We're still at zero. If we have no sin, we're at zero. If we have sin, we're in debt. But if we have no sin, we're at zero. We need, we don't, you don't get to heaven by being at zero. You have to, get, you get to heaven by being, having an infinite righteousness. So Jesus removes our sin by his death, but he has to live in our place. So again, we have to remember that Jesus lived for me as well as he died for me. He had to live for you and me before he could die for you and me. We very rarely hear that expression, Jesus lived for me. Jesus lived for me. His robes for mine. He earned a perfect righteousness, a woven robe of righteousness to clothe us with. So Jesus is subjected to the law as he's taken to Bethlehem and he is circumcised. Interesting, he would have been circumcised in a synagogue in Bethlehem. The temple would be in Jerusalem. Verses 22 to 35, Jesus is devoted to God. He's submissive, subjected to the law. And by the way, the word law is found five times in this chapter. Five times. It says something. Luke is saying, look, Jesus' life is associated with the law of God. He has to keep the law to save us from our sins, to give us a perfect righteousness. There's no sense going to the cross if he ever sinned because he had to present a perfect life at the cross so that he could have our sins debited to him. So Jesus is devoted to God, verses 22 to 35. Now he's in the city of the great king at 40 days old. Again, how do we know he was 40 days old? Because that's when Mary was taken to Jerusalem to offer her sacrifices. Leviticus 12, 
bearing a male child, that she would have to appear the 40th day for, for the offer of the sacrifices. And so they went to the city of the great king, the capital of King David. And here was King David's king being brought at 40 days old. 40, you can be pretty vigorous, can't you? You can be quite squirmy and, and quite <coughs> loud and, and your appetite is growing. But the Bible says that he grew and waxed strong in spirit. They can surely say he was strong in spirit. Mary, therefore, shows us that she was a sinner saved by grace. They say, well, doesn't it show that Jesus was a sinner, that he had to be circumcised? No, in Jesus' case, he identifies with sinners as the sin bearer. But, but Mary was the sin committer. She was a sinner, saved by grace. And I reiterate it again, Mary had to be born again. Mary is a Christian. She is not a goddess still under probation. He was presented to the Lord. This is kind of equivalent to our dedication. Baptism in the Protestant church is at eight days, and you believe it's a parallel to circumcision, bloody circumcision, bloodless baptism, bloody Passover, bloodless Lord's Supper. But the, the, the Old Testament says that every person, had, when they had to redeem the male, because the males died in Egypt. Remember in Exodus and, and in Numbers and other passages, everybody was to bring five shekels. Not very much. And so it doesn't mention the shekels. They may not even, the reason that Luke doesn't even mention the shekels, although he mentions the law of God, when they presented the child, they redeemed the male, as if the males are, are given to the Lord. And they were to, everybody was to give the same amount of money, but he doesn't even mention the money. What does that possibly say? They could only afford to buy two birds. And one commentator said a bird was worth about $2. They may not have had any more money until they would get the gold from the Magi and the frankincense and the myrrh and have enough money to spend for their sojourn in Egypt. How the Lord provides in amazing ways, doesn't he? To take care of us. Tiny and I remember some amazing ways how the Lord took care of us when we didn't have insurance and our first daughter came. A man built his own airplane because he was tired of paying $500 to the FAA. If you, if, you didn't own, if you didn't build your airplane, you had to pay to have it inspected. But if you built your own airplane, you, didn't have, you could inspect it yourself. So he didn't want to pay $500. He built his airplane. I remember going to Don's house and he didn't have the, he didn't have the wings on yet, so it was in his basement. 
And uh, I was watching him build one Christmas time. And uh, time came in the spring where he pushed it out and put the wings on in his driveway. And he enjoyed flying his homemade airplane until he went to a homemade airplane show and, and, and crashed and went into heaven. But the sale of his old airplane, part, partial sale of that, he sent a $1,000 check to us. And that was a partial payment to our hospital bill of our, our firstborn. So many memories of how the Lord provides. And you can probably give very similar circumstances, can't you? How the Lord provides. He is Jehovah Jireh. But this is saying he's holy unto the Lord, like the high priest would bear that turban. Holiness to the Lord. Jesus is holiness to the Lord. He didn't need to be redeemed. But he came to redeem you and me. What a poor family he chose to be part of. He didn't, be, he didn't choose to be part of a wealthy family. He didn't choose to be part of a brand name. Joseph and Mary, two very common names. He took a common name. Jesus was a common name. Joshua, the Old Testament. Joshua the high priest, Zechariah. Jesus is Joshua. What a name. When we give our children name Joshua, it means we're wanting them to point to, the, to God who saves. But if Jesus says, he will save his people from their sins. So, are we devoted to the Lord as Jesus was? So Jesus is in the temple being presented to the Lord. And all of a sudden, this we think he's an older man. He may not have been. But he says that the Lord had, had told him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. And so we're assuming he's old. But maybe he wasn't. Maybe the Lord was going to take him home as, as a young man. But let's just assume he was an old man. How the Lord... Privileges. How often today the old generation is forgotten and dismissed and pushed aside when Jesus chooses an 84-year-old woman and possibly a very octogenarian man. Or maybe he was in his 90s. His name was Simeon, which means the Lord heard me. Again, the most... Mostly, the name found most of the. What am I trying to say? It's you'll, you'll find you won't find a name used more in the New Testament than Simon, Simon Peter, Simon Niger, Jesus' brother, Simon the son of jo Jacob. When he's mentioned, one of the patriarchs. The Bible says he was righteous and devout. He was righteous in the eyes of men. He didn't trick people. He didn't cheat people. He didn't lie. He was a saved man that was walking with the Lord and being sanctified. And the Bible says he was devout. That speaks of his relationship to God. He was cautious. That's the idea of the word devout. Are you and I cautious in our walk with God? 
Are we righteous in our relationship with human beings? Can they trust our word? Can they trust our promise? Can they trust our handshakes? The Bible says he was eagerly expecting the consolation of Israel. He was eagerly expecting the Messiah that would bring comfort to his people. We're told three times his, his being filled and moved by the Holy Spirit, instructed by the Spirit. He came by the Spirit. And so the Lord had told him previously, however many months or years before, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And so can you imagine Simeon going to the temple often, perhaps every day, is the Messiah here yet? Is the Messiah here? Were any of these babies that were circumcised today or presented today, are any of these babies the Messiah? And perhaps he had just a note of dejection every time he was told, as far as we know, no. But that morning, can you imagine as he was sipping his tea that the Lord whispered in his ear, today's the day. Go to the temple and you're going to find the Messiah. I mean, think of the, the window of opportunity was not long for someone to present. There probably were many people presenting their children for circumcision and firstborn for redemption. And all different reasons why people would come to the temple for advice and counsel and so on. But the Lord told him, go. So he went in and he was looking. And the Lord indicated, not that couple, not that couple, not that baby. There he is. And that's how it works, doesn't it? He came by the Spirit. And now his, his long-awaited blessing has come. The Bible tells us in verse 28, he welcomed Jesus up into his arms. The, the word arm is the idea of the, the, the bent part. And, you know, you can see a man, I don't know if women are, are more confident in the way they hold the baby, but, you know, it's like, especially if it's not your baby, it's like, I don't want to drop it. But he lifted him up and, here was Jesus. How many people had that opportunity to look Jesus in the face? This vigorous child. Here is my God. Here is my Savior. If that is embarrassing or below us, the shepherds weren't embarrassed, were they? To, to, to visit and worship Jesus in the, in the manger. The Magi were probably very wise men and wealthy men from India out that way. They weren't embarrassed to worship a child. And here was Simeon getting this great privilege. Blessing God. Interesting, he said, Lord. This is not the usual word for Lord in the New Testament. It doesn't, it's not a word that's, that is popular here. It's negative to us. It's the word despot. To us, the word desperate means a ruthless, careless, um, dictator. But the word despot in the scripture means someone who is sovereign, someone who is absolutely in control. And so he calls the Father the sovereign one. 
I have seen your salvation to all peoples. You see how, not just to the Jews, but to you and me, Jesus is the light to lighten the nations. The word nations is ethnic. We get word ethnic, ethnos. He's the star of Jacob, the son of righteousness that arises with healing in his wings. But he's not just, again, a light to lighten the nations. It's interesting how he puts that first. Then he puts the glory to thy people Israel. He blessed Joseph and Mary. The fact that they were parents of this child. And we're told that Joseph and Mary had marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Mary had already been told, as well as Joseph, that Jesus is the Messiah. But you and I know that every new information is precious to us about our children. And we can have a a negative pride sometimes by you know, things that are said about our children. But in this case, you can't be too um, praised. You can't give enough praise to Joseph and Mary's child, as it were, because he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And of course, Joseph is included as those who are called his parents because he was a parent in Jesus' day in Nazareth. Though. Jesus was born of Mary only. But notice he blesses them with a benediction of being privileged to have the divine child in their home, in their arms. But then notice he turns to a very dark note. How did he know this? God must have revealed this to him. Behold, this is something to really consider, Mary. He turns to her, interestingly. Why why does it say he turned to Joseph and Mary? We're sure that Joseph was dead by the time Jesus would be crucified. But it says, he says, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. Brother and sister, what does this mean? At the end of the day, it means there's no neutrality as far as you and Christ are concerned, either you are for Christ or you're against him. Either you are saved by Christ or you are lost outside of Christ. No one can say, well, I don't believe in their Christian religion. I don't believe that Jesus, I have my own God, I have my own Savior. Well, you can, any, anybody can, till the end of their life, say what they believe and what they don't believe, but what is true cannot be changed, cannot be exchanged. If Jesus is the only mediator between God and man, you can have a thousand invented mediators and it will be to no avail. God has said, I am the only God. I am the Lord God. You shall worship no other gods before me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Notice, people do not like the exclusivity of Christ. They don't mind saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so is Mohammed, and so is uh, everybody else down the line. But Jesus went on to say, no man cometh to the Father but by me. That's exclusive. And oh, how people hate exclusivity. 
But this is for your salvation to believe that Jesus is the only bridge between God and man. There is no neutrality. Remember that song? It's, it's a song we should sing more often. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? He says to Mary that not only this child will determine whether you are fallen forever or risen forever, but you will experience something that will really hurt your soul. Where we read, this will be a, he will be a sign, and the word sign is very, a dramatic sign. A sign which will be spoken against. That's saying that you're going to see in his ministry that he's hated, he's vilified, he is persecuted, and they will call for his crucifixion. It says, yea, a sword, not a, not a, a dagger. This is the Greek word for sword. It's not the word, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. That's a dagger. You and I need to have the word of God ready at hand, like a knife. A sword has to be wielded. A dagger can be used immediately. This is the word for long sword. And he's saying, a sword will pierce through your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Literally, a sword was plummeted into the side of Jesus Christ. But when Mary was at the cross, and when she saw them bring him with the piece of wood, the stem on his back, and then lay it down. Think about it. We all have sons. Picture one of your sons, your son being put on a stem, and he's careless, Roman soldiers taking the, the spike, taking the hammer and nailing it into your son alive. We can't say, well, Mary knew he was the son of God. Mary knew he'd have to die for his sins. Mary could have mind over matter no, she was a mother. Jesus had her DNA. As soon as they, they spiked, they, they hammered those spikes through his hands and feet, every hammer was a hammer, was a thrust of the sword into Mary's soul. Many mothers and fathers have had to suffer that when their children have become martyrs for the cause of Jesus. And how many mothers have you heard have said to their sons as they were being tortured, play the man for Jesus. Play the woman for Jesus. He's worth it. 
He died for you in such a way. Jesus didn't die. Choose a death that would be quick and painless. He chose a death that would be slow and painful. You and I deserve to suffer the wrath of God forever and ever and ever. And the pain never, ever is abated. There's no, there's no relief. I thirst. How that would be the cry of souls in hell forever and ever. Just give me one drop, said the rich man in Hades. How forgetful we are. We need to keep before us the huge salvation that Christ has procured for us. A sign, a miracle spoken against. The same word for miracle. Jesus was born and devoted to die for our sins. And while Simeon was about to speak, we assume, talk about perfect timing. And there was one Anna. Do we ever miss something because we miss public worship? There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Her family took, uh, they, they kept records. Supposedly 10 tribes were lost, but they knew she was from Asher. She was a happy one. Asher is happy. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years. Perhaps didn't have any children. Only seven years married. Now she was a widow of 84. It says she departed not from the temple. So either she, there were apartments in the complex of the, of the temple for prophetesses, which were rare, for old saints that were godly, or it's, it's a word, it's, 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 a, it's an expression for, it's, it, it's a hyperbole for someone who was, what we would say, never missed a service. She departed, she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers, Night and day. Isn't that interesting? We normally think serve God by evangelizing. Serve God by teaching. Serve God by um, doing something obvious. But the Bible says it serves God by just simply praying and fasting. How we need people praying and fasting. How you hear people who are bedridden. What am I doing here? Why doesn't God take me home? We need you praying, praying. I heard of a man who was a missionary, but his health declined and his, his eyesight failed. He devoted eight hours a day to concentrated praying. Eight hours a day he was serving God. Now who would you want to pray for you if a person like that that's in your church? Oh, how we would love to be on his prayer list. But I'm not challenging us to pray eight hours a day. 
But I am challenging us not to belittle prayer and fasting. Not to belittle the importance of intercession, of adoration, of confession. To pray. To pray. To obey every impulse to pray. Here was Anna. Her faithfulness paid off, didn't it? Again, the window was very short. For anyone who has seen Jesus in the temple and her faithfulness in departing not from the temple was used of God and he let her see the Messiah. And may I challenge you to love public worship like God does. Like David who said, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. May I challenge you, if you have ceased public worship since COVID, remember the words of God in Hebrews. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And often we might say the manner of many is now. But so much the more as we see the day approaching. You never know what you'll miss when you miss public worship. Here, she didn't miss the presence of Jesus. And so here is a happy woman, though she's been widowed for many, many years. A prayer warrior, a daily churchgoer, if you will. She lives a church. That's okay. Just in time. She didn't miss the slot of time to see the Messiah child. What providence, what kindness of the Lord. She happens, as far as we can tell, it says, coming in that instant. Do you notice that? It says that she, coming in that instant, that tells me that she came in just in time to hear Simeon's words. Not just at the tail end. She came in to hear the words of old Simeon. And then she gave thanks to God for being able to see the Messiah. And then it says, she spake of him, of the Messiah, of Jesus, to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. There were a nucleus of people that were godly, that were coming to the temple, that were waiting for the consolation of Israel, that were waiting for the redemption in Jerusalem, as it says. There were a nucleus, and she was looking for them. And she was saying, guess who I saw today? We've been praying for the Messiah to come for years. We've been praying for the Lord to come suddenly to his temple like Malachi said. And I saw him. And to ask Simeon too. And there was not long before Simeon would die. and It would just be Anna that would be able to say, I saw the Messiah. Oh, that you and I would catch that fire, that contagious spirit, that we've seen the Lord. And you need to see him too. You need to know him. It's time to seek the Lord while he may be found, to call upon him when he is near. At that very hour, it means, she came in and heard the words of Simeon. Perhaps she held Jesus in her arms as well and spake. This word spake is something not just that happened just then, but it's a tense that means if you're watching a video, she was doing it regularly. 
like evangelizing regularly, right, brother? We have a regular evangelist in our service. Going about doing good and speaking like, like Anna. And all of us should be like this. Speaking of Jesus to all that look for redemption in Jerusalem. When they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, circumcision, offering for, for Mary's purification, presentation of the Lord. Again, remember, made under the law so that he could redeem them that were under the law so we might become the adoption of sons. They returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. They would go back to Bethlehem soon for the Magi. But they went back north from Jerusalem to the town that Jesus would be raised in. And Luke, as he interviewed Mary, quotes what happened between the ages of 40 days and 12 years. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. That's a description of Jesus. Next week, we're looking at Jesus, the age of 12. I met some blasphemer many years ago in Pennsylvania coming up to canvas the area to see if the Lord would have us come to Buffalo. And a man said to me, you have to prove to me that Jesus was sinless between the ages of 12 and 32, or I won't believe. People will say, well, what about between the ages of 40 days and 12 years? You've only got one statement, and it's enough. He grew. He was a real man. He waxed strong in spirit. He was filled with wisdom. He grew in knowledge and applied that wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. God's hand was upon this man. But we're also told a statement about Jesus between the ages of 12 and 30 when he started his ministry. And that's the last verse of the chapter. Hope to consider that next week. But I said to the man, the father said at Jesus' baptism, this is my beloved son in whom the wording is, the tense is, I have been well pleased. The father said, I saw Jesus between the ages of 12 and now, and I am well pleased with his life. We have the scripture. The Bible has the answer. Jesus, as Anna would say, was the good news to the people, subjected to the law, devoted to God, and good news Jesus is the gospel of salvation to our souls. It's Christ of Christmas that we worship this day and every day. Thank you for thy word, Lord. It is meat to our souls. It is a drink to us who are thirsty. We hunger and thirst for thee, Lord. He said, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Your word is fresh, Lord. Every time we come to it, we find fresh, clean, cold water, fresh food, fresh revelation of the Savior. We are often 
We aren't often fresh, Lord, in our own souls. We are often cold and dry. We thank you that we come to your word and are revived. 